Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Part of the kingdom of God. We are so glad that you are here. We're going to turn this evening to a classic scripture in the Old Testament, classic revival scripture. In 2 Chronicles, in chapter 7, you might have to look in the table of contents to find Chronicles. But tonight, I want you to turn there with me. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verses 11 through 15. We'll read just a moment. I have a couple quick announcements before we get into the message tonight. Uh, Number one is regarding a Bible plan that the church is going through together. I wonder if we could put that slide up for a moment on the screen. Uh, for this holiday season, as we're coming into, into the Christmas holiday, I uh, would really love for the church to get together to join uh, in this Bible reading plan. It's a very simple, just a few scriptures, a little devotional, and a little action item at the end of every day. And for the next uh, 25 days, we can join together uh, in heart and in prayer and in reading the Bible on this Bible reading plan. So, Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. And the other uh, announcement that we have tonight is uh, for these little uh, chair things that are on the top of every chair. Uh, We're having a kind of a problem uh, with some children and some adults probably uh, pulling these out. I know it's uh, when you're when you're uh, in the chair, it's easy to play with those and pull them out and drop. Well, these things get lost and uh, they're depleting. So uh, please uh, watch the kids and and try not to eat them. Amen. So tonight, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We appreciate your help with those things. Amen. So tonight, we're going to talk about revival. Revival is something that the church desperately needs. But it's more than that. It is something that you need. Something that I need. Revival tonight simply means to live again, to be renewed in your heart, in your spirit, and in your mind. Let me ask you this question tonight as we begin this message. Has there ever been a time in your life that you have been closer to God than you are right now? If there has been, then what that means is that you need revival. If there has ever been a time in your life that you have been more excited to live for God than you are right now, then what that means is you need a revival. Say amen. If there has ever been a time in your life that you were more excited to pray, more excited to read your Bible, more excited to come to church, spend time with Christians, more excited for all these things than you are at this moment. And what it means is that you have backslidden. 
And that's not the end of the world. It simply means you need revival. And that's what you and I and the church of Jesus Christ desperately needs. There was uh, a revival that occurred in the city of London around the turn of the century. They called it the Welsh Revival. And uh, one man uh, who was writing newspapers at that time, he wrote that uh, he came upon the, the, the area where this revival was happening and came into this place of Wales, and he asked a policeman where the Welsh Revival was taking place. And, uh, and as the policeman looked at this news reporter, he put his hand across his heart. And he said, this is where the revival is happening. Isn't it true tonight that if we want to see revival in America, if we want to see revival in Virginia Beach, do you know where that revival must begin? Right here. It has to begin in me. And it has to begin in you. Charles Finney defined revival, nothing else than a new beginning of obedience. Say obedience. Obedience to God. Just as in the case of a converted sinner, the first step is deep repentance, a breaking of the heart, a getting down into the dust before God with deep humility and a forsaking of sin. Now, I know that we're not going to be able to get any humility in the house of God tonight. Are we? Are we going to be able to have tonight, once again, a forsaking of our sin, because without that, revival will not happen. The evangelist, famous evangelist Gypsy Smith, was once asked, how do you start a revival? You know what he said? He said, go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of the floor, draw a line around yourself, and ask God to start the revival inside that line. And when God has answered your prayer, the revival begins. This is not something tonight, often we have revival services in the church. We have those a few times a year here in the the church where we ask an evangelist to come and preach behind this pulpit. And he's excited and he preaches and he spits and he sweats and he preaches marvelous sermons. And we call those revival sermons, but far too often, how many know, we can have someone preach a revival and no revival happens. Why is that tonight? Why is it that we can go service to service, we can go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and still be people lulled to sleep spiritually? What we need tonight is revival. What we need always is revival. R.A. Torrey gave a prescription for revival. He says, I... I can give a prescription that will bring revival to any church, any community, or any city. First, a few Christians. They don't need to be many. If they would thoroughly get right with God themselves, this is the first essential. If this is not done, the rest will come to nothing. Second, let them bind themselves together in prayer until God opens the heavens. Third, let them put themselves at the disposal of God For him to use as he sees fit, winning others to Christ. And that's it. We pray for revival. We pray for souls to be saved. We ask God often, God, would you save souls and bring revival to our church? And often it doesn't happen because 
It's got to begin in us tonight. It has to begin in me. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Revival begins in our hearts. Let's read this scripture, which is a prescription tonight for revival, personal revival, family revival, church revival, and city and nation revival. Let's read together. Second Chronicles chapter 7, beginning with verse 11. Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house, and Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer, and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Verse 15, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Let's pray for a moment. God, we come by the blood of Jesus. I pray that you would shake the foundations of our faith tonight. I pray once again, God, that you would awaken your people to your presence. God, that you would pour out the revival that you so desperately want in this church, and in this people. God, that we would not wait for another, that we would not wait for a future date, that we would not wait for another preacher. God, that we would experience revival in our own hearts tonight. And we're asking, God, that you pour it out in your grace and mercy. In Jesus' mighty name, God's people would say, Amen. The message is titled tonight, How to Heal a Broken World. And I've been laboring in my thoughts and in my prayers. God, what do we need to do to see revival? And I was led back again to this classic scripture that gives us the prescription, the recipe for revival. Listen, if you're going to make uh, chocolate chip cookies, seem to be a pretty popular recipe in my house, there's a few things that you're going to need. You're going to need flour. You're going to need butter. You're going to need sugar. You're going to need uh, baking soda. You're going to need chocolate chips. And whatever the recipe says, double it up. And when you put those ingredients together in the correct way, mix them up, put them on a baking sheet, you put them in the oven, and in about 10 to 12 minutes, you come out with something that is marvelous. A happy accident, they say that the chocolate chip recipe was discovered by accident. But today, you can go to McDonald's and get three for a dollar. Isn't that amazing? No matter what your recipe is tonight, you won't have... Just imagine if you took out one of those key ingredients. What if you took out the flour? That would be a hot mess. What if you took out the butter? Oh, how would you even... What about... What about if you took out the chocolate? I don't even want that. You got to have the chocolate and you got to double it up. I want to tell you tonight that there is a recipe for revival. And it is found in our scripture. And I want to tell you if we miss one part of it, it doesn't work. If we are missing the humility, if we are missing the prayer, if we are missing any part of this 
this recipe tonight, what we'll come out with is maybe what we have right now, a hot mess. What we desperately need is revival. And we know the recipe. We're not, we're, we, we can't shake our fist at God and say, God, how come you don't want to bring revival? He's already given us the recipe. He's shown us how to have revival. The question is, is there anybody here who wants to whip up the recipe? Is there anybody here who wants to experience revival in your personal life, in your family, and in our church? Is there anyone willing to follow the instructions? If there are, then I'd like to talk to you tonight. Let's look at this revival that's spelled out so simply in our Scripture. It begins with these words, my people. Everybody say, my people. Who are God's people? Are the people of God out there? Are the people of God attending a concert tonight? Are the people of God... No, 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 listen. The revival begins with you, my people. God is speaking to His people. And what we have to try not to do tonight is to look outside of the church for revival. We can't, uh, as I mentioned, you know, uh, oh, pastor, we'll have revival when Tony Chase comes in January. Then we'll kick off the revival. You know what would be great? If the revival kicks off now and Tony Chase comes in and lights a fire in it and pours some gas on the fire. You know what I'm talking about? If the revival started now and that locomotive, that freight train started moving and Pastor Tony Chase comes in here and he puts, he puts a, some lighter fluid on the barbecue, now that would be something. But so often what we do is we say, ah, Pastor, I'll just, uh, I'll just chill out for a little while and maybe when Pastor Tony comes and preaches, maybe then we can have some revival. Ah, we can start that right now. Can you say amen? My people, are you one of his people who are called by his name? Then this message is to you tonight. Now, there, there are four pieces of this recipe. And when these four pieces are together, just like with that cookie recipe, when you put the ingredients in place, you put that recipe into the oven, something magical happens, doesn't it? When those ingredients get heated up, something different comes out of the oven than what you put in there. Something magical. Something amazing. Something almost supernatural. But the same is true in this recipe for revival. When we put these four things in, into the hands of God, something comes out from heaven. Something that we all desperately need. Let's look at this tonight. The four steps, the four parts of this recipe are humility, prayer, seeking the face of God, and turning from wicked ways. Now remember what I said. Without any one part of those, of those ingredients, it won't turn out the way we like. But see, those, even though those are simple things, each one of them is incredibly difficult. Humble themselves. Can I tell you something tonight? The sign of a mature Christian is not, God, thank you that I'm so strong now. It's not, oh God, I thank you that you, uh, that you made me such a powerful man of God. You know what I find more and more as I live this Christian life? 
I find out exactly how weak I am, how broken I am, how every day I'm more and more in desperate need of God. Can you say amen tonight? The sign of Christianity, the sign of mature faith, realizes how weak I am and how close to backsliding I am on a daily basis. Can you recognize before the Lord how broken you are? When you go in prayer, are you desperate every day for God to keep you in His faith? I know I am. God, keep me. Don't let me wander. Don't let me stray. Don't let me fall asleep in my faith. The sign of a mature Christian is not, God, I'm so strong. It is, I'm so weak. And if you go to God in prayer and say how wonderful you are, then you are not a mature Christian. Because we are not wonderful. We have a wonderful God who saves us despite our many flaws. That's what humility looks like. Humble themselves, our scripture says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Because you know the problem is that we are filled with pride, aren't we? Pride hinders revival. There's a story about a guy named Harry Morehouse. and He was a young man conducting evangelistic services in the U.S., but there was no revival in this particular city. It was though he was beating his head against the stone wall. Day and night, he was on his knees, searching his heart and crying out, God, why is there no revival? And one day, he was walking down the street. Holy Spirit showed him a large sign which appeared on the road saying these words, Harry Morehouse, the most famous of all British preachers. And all at once he said to himself, that's why there's no revival. Because they think I'm something great. He went to the committee and said, brethren, now I know why there is no revival. You see how you've advertised me as the greatest of this and the greatest of that. No wonder the Holy Spirit won't work. He is grieved and quenched because you have not magnified the Lord Jesus. He is the one who's wonderful. I'm a poor, simple, humble servant preaching the glorious gospel. And saying, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. As soon as as this becomes about a pastor, a people, a, a banner, a sign, a website, as soon as this becomes about something other than Jesus, you know what? God's not involved. Because He will not share His glory. God will not endure the proud. Psalms 101 verse 5, I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. Proverbs 18, 13, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Isaiah 2, 17, human pride will be humbled. Human arrogance will be brought down. Only the Lord will be exalted on the day of Judgment. Pride is the opposite of humility. And if revival will ever happen, it only happens first in the environment of humility. Pride promotes self, not God. Does not genuinely seek God, nor seeks to please Him. And let me tell you something. If you think that there is no such thing as pride in the house of God, Just look at the Pharisees. The Pharisees that lived in the time of Jesus, 
They were the most religious guys on the block. They were the group who thought they had it all together. They were the ones who were in the temple, day and night, in the synagogues, memorizing Scripture, praying on the street corners, sending out uh, evangelical missions to win one convert over land and sea. They were the ones faithful with their tithe and their offering. They were Holy Ghost rollers. They were the Bible thumpers. They were the ones swinging from the chandeliers. You know what they got for it? There is not one group of people in the Gospel accounts that Jesus opposed more than the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Do you know why? Because they were proud. All of their actions, all of their religious deeds caused them to have a spiritual pride, and that's the worst kind. I'd rather deal with a, with a proud rich guy than a spiritually proud religious guy any day. So if we're going to have revival, the first thing you've got to look at in your heart tonight is, is there pride? Do I need to humble myself tonight? Have I forgotten how weak and broken I really am? Because you know what? You are weak and broken. That's the thing that got you saved, right? When you said to God what was already true, God, I'm weak and I'm broken and I'm in need of a Savior. And when he heard that, you know what he did? He said, that's a person I can save. That's a person that the blood of Jesus can apply to. And the moment that you start saying how amazing you are, how disciplined you are, how great and wonderful you are, and how much you, you, know, you have done for yourself, oh, beloved, God can't help a person like that. Pride will make us blind to our truth. I wish I could get a witness here tonight. Some of y'all are sleeping. Some of y'all are looking at Facebook or Twitter or something more interesting on the phone, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. The church in Laodicea, Jesus spoke to them. And He said to them, I know your works. I know how great you think you are. He says, but you're lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot. So I will vomit you out of my mouth. He says, you say, I am rich. I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing. But you don't even know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It's a picture of the church today. We are the Laodicean church. The church of the West, the church of America is the Laodicean church. And we say, hello, look at our facility. Look at our great building. Look at our nice, soft, comfy blue chairs. Look at our beautiful Christmas tree. Thanks, Denise, for that. Look at that Christmas tree. We got it all together, man. And Jesus, if, he could, if, he, if we could see what he sees, if we could put on some Jesus goggles tonight, I wonder what, he, what we would see. Do we see wretched, poor, miserable, blind, and naked? Could be. Humility is desperately needed in the church today. Revival is not possible without it. Humility means to make a right estimate of yourself. Humility is recognizing that God and others are responsible for my achievements, not me. And what happens when we have a truly heartfelt humility? What happens when we're able to be honest about who we are? That we find the mercy and the grace of God. Proverbs 3, verse 33, The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but He blesses the home of the just. Surely He scorns the scornful, 
but gives grace to the humble. You want to experience God's grace and mercy? This is where it begins. You want to experience revival as it, as it had in the book of Acts? Revival as it was in those days in the Welsh revival, in the Jesus people revival? Do we want to see people getting saved in Virginia Beach? This is where it starts, guys. And this is why I'm taking time to explain this because you're not going to experience revival without humility. I don't care how long you've been saved. It begins with humility. This is where your salvation began. And this is where revival begins with humility tonight. The second ingredient of revival. Verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. <laughs> it's like a list of things we don't like to do, isn't it? Prayer. Prayer so often tonight becomes a chore. Becomes something I have to do instead of something I want to do. Becomes like doing the dishes or washing the laundry. Oh yeah, pastor said I have to pray this week. Wish I didn't have to do that all the time. I want to tell you tonight, we will not find revival without prayer. Because it is through prayer that we know God. It is only through prayer that we can develop relationship. It is the same as when I counsel couples, married couples, and I tell them the only way that you can, that you can have a healthy marriage is if you communicate. Is if you are able to uh, to communicate well, when she's speaking, bro, you need to listen to her. And when she's speaking, uh, when he's speaking, you've got to listen to him. You've got to be able to communicate. And communication is not just talking. See, what I'm doing now, I'm preaching, but that's not all that communication is. I would say 75% of good communication is the ability to listen well. Oh, we've lost this art. In a world that your attention is being, is being commanded on every hand. If you're watching a, a TV program, that image is changing every two to three seconds. And it's, it's your attention being pulled. And listen, when somebody's speaking to you, your attention is being diverted to other things. Your mind, you've trained your mind. Living in this generation, your mind is constantly moving from one thing to the next. And while you're talking, you're thinking about something else. Have you ever caught yourself, somebody's talking to you, and all of a sudden you forgot to listen, and then they get a, a few paragraphs into what they were saying, and you, you realize that you have no idea what they said for the last 30 seconds, and now you're trying to fill in the blanks, trying to make up a story? Bad listening skills, isn't it? And what we desperately need tonight is not just to communicate well with other people, but with God in heaven. See, we think that prayer is we sit down and we talk and we mumble for an hour. Oh, come on. That's not prayer. Prayer is 75% listening to God. God, what do you have to say to me today? God, I'm going to search your word today to see if you have something to say to me. If the only time you crack open your Bible is twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday, you are in great, great poverty as a Christian. 
poverty. If the only time you open the Bible app is once a week, I feel sorry for you. The Bible, which is such a treasure of God's Word, it is part of prayer life. I want to tell you, if you don't pray with an open Bible, you're doing it wrong. Because prayer is not just about speaking to God. It's about hearing from Him. You've constantly got to have music in your ears. Or you've constantly got to have talk radio blasting in your ears. I want to tell you, you're going to miss out. Because what Sean Hannity says is nothing compared to what Jesus can say to you. (laughs) Or whoever your commentator of choice is. What are they going to say that Jesus can't say to you? That's prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face. What does that mean tonight? To seek the face of God. It's not just to seek His blessings. So many of us, we want to experience the gift, but not the gift giver. We want to experience the blessing that He has for us, but we don't want to know the one who is the blesser. This is what it means to have a relationship with God. It means not only to pray and talk to Him, listen to Him, it means to have a relationship with Him, to seek His face. Let us never come to the place like teenage children when they come to their parents. Hi, Mom. Uh, it's nice to see you today. What do you want? <laughs> not every teenager. But many of them are that way. I was listening to, uh, I was at a customer's house in the previous week. And uh, they were telling me about, um, it, was a, it was an older lady, and she was telling me about her son who has teenage kids at the time. And so the son, uh, he, he's feeling privileged that, that uh, he can drive dad's car to school and, you know, go hang out with his friends and stuff. And so one day he comes and he says, hey, dad, I need the keys. And dad, who's a Marine, he decides this kid's getting a little uppity. And he says, okay. I'll let you drive the car uh, as soon as you pay for the roof over your head, as soon as the title deed's in your name, as soon as you can pay for the gas, then, okay, I'll, get, I'll give you the keys. But for now, you've gotten a little uh, out of your pay grade. Sometimes we get like that too, don't we? We only come to Dad when we get in trouble. We only come to the Father when we're out of options. We only come to the Father when it seems like there's no other option. Why don't we go to Him for the first option? When He is the source of all blessing. We only come to Him at the end of the money, and there's still months to to live. We only come to Him when we get in trouble, or when people are talking bad about us, or when there's enemies all surrounding us. Look, if we would live by this creed, if if we would humble ourselves and pray, Seek His face. And finally, the last ingredient that God's looking for tonight is to turn from their wicked ways. This is very simply tonight, repentance. Can I tell you that repentance is not something that God will do for you? He won't do that for you. He won't put that on autopilot. Repentance, we think, is something for sinners. Repentance is what is what, uh, is what sinners out on the street, those people, those bad people who are doing drugs and drinking alcohol, 
those bad people who are beating their wives, they need to repent. And yes, that's true. You know who else needs to repent? You do, and you do, and you do, and and I do, and you do, and you do, and I do, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. You know why we still need to repent? Because there's still sin in our lives. He who says there is no sin is a liar. 1 John. There is no truth in him. If you tonight think that you don't need to repent, then you got bigger problems. Turn from me. Turn, turning from wicked ways tonight simply means that you're humble enough to realize that you're still broken. And where you do find sin, you've got to make the same decision. On, on the first day that you gave your life to Jesus, do you know what you had to do? You had to repent. This is the hurdle that every Christian has to jump over tonight. You can't get in this club without repentance. You don't have to pay a membership fee. You don't have to have special clothes. You don't have to have a highly privileged background. The only thing that's necessary tonight to join this club and to stay in this club is repentance. You still believe in repentance tonight? You still believe in the altar? There's Christians who go for years of their lives without coming to the altar. I don't, I don't get that. I can't understand that. I need the altar. I need repentance because I know that I'm a sinner. What about you tonight? So those are the ingredients. Humility, prayer, relationship with God, and repentance. Those are the ingredients that we mix up in the bowl. And if there's anybody who's brave enough to do those things, we put those into the oven. I want to tell you, what comes out of that oven is something amazing. Here's what God says. Here's what God promises. Did you know that God is not a liar tonight? That if he promises something, that he is faithful and true to bring it to pass. So listen to what God promises. First of all, he will hear from heaven. There is such a thing tonight as a prayer that God refuses to hear. How many of your prayers has God heard? There are many things tonight that would hinder your prayers before God. But I want to tell you, when you are humble before Him, when you're seeking His face, then the Bible says, first of all, that He will hear from heaven. What a miracle that is. That there is a God who is big enough to hear the prayers of millions of His people at the same time. That if every single person here would begin to pray right now, God could hear individually each and every prayer. I will hear from heaven. Secondly, he says, I will forgive their sin. That's good news, isn't it? (laughs) That we have a God who is gracious and merciful. That he is a God who will hold up his end of the bargain. That when we call upon his name and we truly seek his forgiveness and we humble ourselves and we repent, I want to tell you, God is merciful. And you can be forgiven. You have his promise. But the most surprising thing of all, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and 
heal their land. Let's say that together. Heal their land. Can I ask you tonight, do you believe that our land needs to be healed? It's getting worse every day, isn't it? Our culture is descending into darkness. We are becoming the barbarians that we ran away from so long ago. Because our culture and our nation has turned away from God, we kicked him out of the schoolhouse. We kicked him out of the government. And we're now even beginning to kick him out of church. I just read an article this week about, about, a, uh, uh, about a preacher, some preacher lady, who is a practicing homosexual. She proudly proclaimed that she's practicing sexual immorality. And every Sunday stands up to, we've kicked God out of the pulpit, we kicked him out of the church, we kicked him out of the public square. We said, Jesus, you're not allowed on the public uh, government lands. So no wonder he takes his hand off of a culture and says, okay, you want to live like that? Have your way. We need healing tonight. We need healing desperately. Our culture is broken. Families, divorce, abortion. It's on every side. Suicide. They say, what is it, 22? 22 U.S. veterans are dying to suicide every single day. Signs of a culture that needs healing. Does it move you? Do you care? Or are you just happy to continue living in your comfort and ease? I don't know about you, but I see what's happening around us in our culture, in our city. God, we need healing. We try to turn to the government for answers. God, if I could, you know, just get a, a paycheck from social services. Oh, if I could just if I could just get another government support program, then yeah, then we'll be okay. The answer doesn't come from an election. doesn't come from Washington. The only thing that comes from Washington is greater burden and more taxes. What we need tonight, we don't need an earthly band-aid. We need healing from God. And that only comes from revival. It comes from what we're talking about tonight. That is the cookie. When you put in the butter and the sugar and the flour when you put in the prayer and the humility, when you put in seeking His face in relationship and turning from your wicked ways, and you put that in and with all your heart you say, God, I need what you have, then that's what comes out. Not only is your life changed, not only are your children affected, not only is your family tree changed going forward, not only are you personally revived, but I want to tell you, God will change whole culture, the society around you. I say, if, you, if God is able to set a man on fire, then people will come and watch him burn. That's what we need. We don't need lukewarm Christians in this generation. We don't need compromising Christians. We don't need Christians that are half in the world and half in the kingdom. I know I can't get any amens anymore. I'm just going to finish this thing out. But we desperately need 
of your Bible? Is there anyone who will join me sinking revival? To seek the face of God, to pray, to humble ourselves, to turn from wicked ways. These are not easy things, but they are simple. It's hard for a church to turn once it's going in a certain direction for a long time. But that's what we need. We need to make a turn. We need to turn a corner tonight in our prayers, relationship with God, seeking humility and turning from our wicked ways. And if we will tonight, then we will see what God has for us. This is how we heal a broken world. This is how we heal broken lives. This is how we heal broken marriages and broken families and a broken nation, culture around us. The recipe is here. The question is, is there anyone who wants to see the cookie come out? Or will we just let the ingredients sit there on the shelf while we starve spiritually? Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes. I believe tonight that God wants to give us revival even more than we want it ourselves. I am confident tonight that God is able to bring revival to your life and to mine. There's nothing that hinders God from bringing incredible, life-changing Book of Acts revival to this church, to this city, to this nation. Nothing that hinders Him except His people. The answer is not found out there. The answer is not found in a slick preacher. The answer is not found in a new program. The answer tonight is found right there in 2 Chronicles. A simple recipe. Humility, prayer, relationship with God, and repentance. Simple things that... We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Oh.